than answers, like why isn't there a special name for the tops of your feet, and how do they make Teflon stick to pans? Hi America, hello world, my name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you, to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's shows and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. I will start by introducing tonight's special guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has spent all week wondering why we invest our money with someone called a broker. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) I'm here. You are here in glorious Technicolor and thank you for being here. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has spent all week developing a mouse flavoured cat food. There we go. How is that going for you? Any successes with that? No. It's very interesting, isn't it? From my uh, knowledge. You've tried cat food? I've never been that hungry. I've once (laughs) drunk the juice from a tin of kidney beans. Have you ever been that thirsty? Oh, gross. Are we going to go back to the bean juice debate? We did have an argument. I think in the first show we ever did almost a year ago now, that we had an argument live on air about what constituted the juice in a tin of baked beans and it's tomato yes. sauce. And the, the, the guests I have around this table still don't believe me that the juice in a tin of baked beans is tomato-based. But I'm telling you, there was an accident, there was a fire, 
there was a fire in the factory that produced tins of tomatoes and tins of beans. And in the dereliction of that fire, when everything was smouldering and all the tins were there, red hot without any labels on them, they opened up a couple of tins and they mixed the tomatoes and the beans together. And that was the birth. That was the genesis of the baked bean with the tomato sauce. A serendipity, a very lucky Fabulous thing to happen for lovers of baked beans, of course. I was just thinking, though, that cats, I've had cats all my life. And, of course, you know, you feed them cat food. It's things they would never normally catch. You get tuna-flavoured, you know, cat food. When is a cat ever going to catch a tuna? When are those two things ever going to meet? I mean, we joke about the fact that there's mouse-flavoured cat food, but why isn't there bird-flavoured cat food? Why isn't there, there a cat is. food? It's called chicken. Ah, but when have you ever seen a cat bring a chicken down? I think it's possible. It's Well, we need to have a debate. There are, of course, more questions than answers, but I wonder why there's not a goldfish-flavoured cat food on the back of that. There's fish-flavoured. There is. We just mentioned tuna, of course, but there are, <laughs> as I repeated not more than 30 seconds ago, more questions than answers. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg realised this week that if you eat a clown, it tastes funny. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. Hello. Has anyone got any cannibal jokes, by the way? Any, anyone want to start the show with a cannibal joke? No. What did the cannibal do after he dumped his girlfriend? Oh, he wipes. the bell. There we go. That is an example, ladies and gentlemen, of the inappropriate bell. A bit early in the show for my liking, but there, nevertheless. This is show 23. 23 is a very lucky number in Oriental culture in Japan, in the uh, Far East. 23 is a lucky number because three is their luckiest number. It's the smallest amount of corners or sides that you can have on a shape. So 23 is two times the lucky number. So it's twice the luck. David Beckham, when he signed to play for Real Madrid, asked what number he wanted. And he said he wanted number 23 because he wanted to sell a lot of shirts in Japan, China and the Far East. So he put 23 on his shirt for that very reason. We shall see if 23 is a lucky show for us tonight. Now, last night we did go on a little trip. We went to a place called Pipestone. And Pipestone's very famous for where the Pipestone Quarry is. And of course, they made Native American peace pipes out of the soft red rocks that are quarried there and it's on the borders there of South Dakota going very west of Minnesota practically the last town you can get to before you cross a border there and uh, the reason we went to Pipestone is we went to visit the Calumet Hotel it's a hotel built in 1888 we're going to do an, uh, an investigation there hopefully in the summer and people are or will be invited along to that so uh, do keep your is open to more questions and answers and also visit our Facebook site more questions and answers with Adrian Lee and when we go and visit the Calumet Hotel and take our equipment with us and uh, do an investigation there with the International Paranormal Society we will be selling tickets and all the profits for that will go to the Historical Society in Pipestone it's a non-profit organization and we've got something penciled in there for the 10th and the 11th of October they do a fabulous ghost walk there of course as well but the Calumet built in 1888 fabulous red brick from the Pipestone quarry uh, did anyone have any thoughts about we only went for a walkthrough and just to chat to the owner to see if it was possible you know to do an investigation at this historic hotel and she was very enthusiastic about that so we're starting tentatively to put that in place for everybody but any thoughts 
around the table, just having a walk through there. Anything that came up while we were wandering around? I think the one thing that I noticed is that the hotel had some absolutely insane um, EMF readings throughout um, one just literally shaft of the hotel. It went from floor to floor to floor in one specific area. And it wasn't to do with anything that we could pin down. It was electrical. The yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. down to electrical or mechanical. It was a very random set of readings that pulsed, but not in a metronomic way, no. I guess. It was Mm-mm. very random. But interestingly enough, it was in the laundry room that we had some of the most uh, electrical magnetic field activity on our meters was just going crazy. And it certainly wasn't from the washing machines that were going on in there. But interestingly enough, the manager told us a story about a gentleman that stayed there, a guest, and he came into the lobby and uh, the manager asked him how his stay was and he said the stay was fabulous. And he said, I need to thank one of your members of staff for giving me a guided tour of the hotel. And the manager said, well, who did that? And she said, well, a man came up to me and uh, gave me a tour of the entire building from top to bottom, said his name was Chris. And uh, when we finished the tour, I thanked him and he walked off in the direction of the laundry room and uh, the guest got the impression that he was living in there or residing in that particular room. And of course, the laundry room just is a small room consisting of a couple of washing machines for guests and a vending machine for uh, fizzy drinks. And so that was very bizarre. But he said his name was Chris. And the manager says, well, there's no one called Chris that works here. She didn't know who this person was. Well, in the short time that we've been there, and I've managed to do some historical research this morning, it turns out that a gentleman by the name of Chris, Chris Hirschberger, died in the hotel in 1944 in a fire and was overcome with fumes. And the laundry room is literally next door to room 308 where this particular gentleman died. And his name was Chris as well. So I'm looking forward to investigating there. Already there's things we've discovered and things we've come across that would uh, be of interest to a group of paranormal investigators. So just keep your ears open and stay tuned to more questions and answers. We will be doing an event there. October the 11th, October the 10th, we're going to be in the Historical Society as well and investigating the Masonic Lodge and there'll be talks and all the fabulous things we normally do when we take the International Paranormal Society on the road to do our weekend investigations. We shall jump into the first round, which is, of course, Ghosts and Hauntings. Heather, what have you got for me tonight, if I can get the words out? What have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? DUI suspect tells officers they would only find the Holy Spirit in his blood sample. Good news, sir. We've managed to find some blood in your alcohol supply. (laughs) In addition to a DUI, Washington man Anthony Stanley has been charged with attempted robbery, hit and run, driving with a suspended license and failing to use the required ignition interlock device. Not your ex-boyfriend, is it by any chance? (laughs) How did you know? There we go. Another example of the inappropriate bell. <laughs> Anthony Stanley allegedly rear-ended a car in Tacoma, yelled at the other driver, and then drove to a gas station. Stanley then demanded gas and attempted to take two packages of donuts after admitting that he had no money. When the station's clerk locked the register, the 28-year-old lunged across the counter in an attempt to get the money. He also reportedly hurled curses and tossed actual objects in the direction of the clerk and a witness. A police dog was eventually able to locate Stanley, and he appeared to be under the influence of stimulants at the time. Despite his appearance and demeanor, Stanley insisted that he was not on drugs. 
He said he is filled with the Holy Spirit and said the officer could draw his blood, but all he would find would be God, according to the charging documents. I think there's going to be a lot of God (laughs) splashed around the walls of the prison cell at some point. Oh, God. Exactly. Uh, After Stanley had his blood drawn, he was charged with attempted robbery, DUI, hit and run, driving with a suspended license, and failing to use the repaired ignition interlock device. The what? Sorry, the repaired what? Don't make me go back to your last statement, sir. Oh, no. How does that come under ghosts and hauntings? The Holy Spirit? It was the Holy Spirit and God. The Holy Spirit wants donuts now, apparently, does he? Yes. My great aunt told me that when she was a small child, she was told if she didn't behave, the Holy Spirit would come and get her. And she thought the Holy Spirit was a ghost with lots of holes in him, like a sheet with moth holes putting into it. She was incredibly scared of this. I mean, how a ghost with holes in would be more scary than a normal ghost, I don't know. If a gust of wind comes up, there's less chance, if there's a ghost with holes in it, of him being dragged off into the sunset. Whereas if you're a normal ghost with no holes in you, then obviously, you know, you're going to be over the hills and far away if a big gust of wind comes along. So obviously, uh, meteorologically speaking, (laughs) a ghost with holes in would stand a better chance in windy conditions, I am led to believe. I shall give you points for that. I like that story. You shall start the show with a resplendent three, which we now know is a lucky number in Oriental countries. I have a story here that says Haunted Canada series to bring chills on Friday the 13th. Canada Post launched its new Haunted Canada stamp series this summer with five new commemorative permanent rate stamps issued in a booklet of 10 and a souvenir sheet of five plus international rate picture postcards each stamp includes holographic foil in the design the new series tells some of the country's unexplained and perennially popular ghost tales according to the canada post the five new stamps feature prince edwards island northumberland strait quebec's chateau fontenac hotel Ontario's Fort George, the St. Louis Ghost Train and the Alberta's Ghost Bride. I'll give you an example of a couple of these stamps and what they look like. This sounds fabulous and very progressive in many respects. It says a phantom ship ablaze in turbulent waters is shown on the Northumberland Strait stamp. This waterway extends between Prince Edward Island to the north and New Brunswick and Nova Scotia to the south. Approximately 4,500 shipwrecks are located in this region. Numerous sightings of a phantom burning ship have been reported, mostly during the months of September through to November. On another stamp, it says the stamp for the Chateau Fontenac Hotel in Quebec City features the Count of Fontenac, French governor of Louis de Bord, the namesake of the hotel, who was credited with New France's growth from 1672 to 1698. The hotel was built in 1893, partially on the spot where the Count's home had been located. The Count reportedly has been seen in the hotel dressed in full 17th century attire. The Central British Army was headquartered at Fort George, Ontario. During the War of 1812, the Fort Stone Wars are said to be haunted. Abnormal reports included crying, footsteps, a woman appearing in a mirror, and even American tourists being pushed by ghosts whilst visiting the fort's towers. The stamp shows skeletons dressed in period attire. That's very interesting that it mentions there that whilst they're in that particular fault, American tourists get pushed around because obviously that's in Canada. I had a similar experience. Of course, Fort Snelling in Minnesota was built specifically due to the worry that the English were going to come back down through Canada and reclaim America. So that fort was built specifically to keep Brits out. So very ironic in many respects that I just walk through the front door and nobody stops me. 
But uh, I have had some instances in this country where Somewhat? instances. It's uh, <laughs> thank you for picking that up. I really appreciate that. And completely inappropriate. <laughs> there were some instances in this country. The first time I ever arrived here, I came here to film some uh, TV shows based on the paranormal and I flew into Minneapolis Airport. I'd never been to Minnesota before. I didn't even know where it was. Couldn't point to it on a map. I had heard, of course, of the uh, Minestrone Vikings, so I was fully aware of your baseball team. And uh, I landed here. <laughs> and uh, two hours later, I was driven north up Highway... 94 interstate 94 and i ended up in salk center in the palmer house and i walked through the door of this incredibly haunted hotel triple a magazine sets one of the top three haunted hotels in the whole of america and of course ghost adventures did a show from there and i walk into this hotel this was six or seven years ago now i walk down into the basement with jet lag you know holding my paranormal equipment i'm on a ghost tour walk down into the basement the first thing we do is turn on a digital voice recorder and uh, straight away as soon as that was turned on a voice came through that said f off limey um, and I thought well welcome to America but of course you've got to remember that when these hotels were built and these places were constructed you know you've got to remember that of course uh, England was the enemy at one point and uh, isn't it fabulous that we can all sit around a table now without any interruptions or anyone picking up any of my slurred speech or any of the words I miss and we can all live together in a, in a process of unity and Anglo-American relations. Which gives July me a, 4th together. Absolutely, it gives me a nice warm <laughs> glow that you know I now know what a hot dog tastes like and uh, coffee is like a baseball bat being hit round the head and I often wonder of course people drink coffee in this country I've drank five cups of coffee in my entire life I've had a blinding headache after every single one and drinking tea which is flying through my veins is like being woken up with a nice warm hug in the morning whereas uh, drinking a cup of coffee is like being hit on the head with a bat so the question you need to ask yourself is would you prefer to be woken up with a nice warm hug or being hit on the head with a bat but it says here well, you're going with the bat. I'm not saying you wake someone else up with the bat. It's waking your, you know, waking yourself up, I guess. But uh, do you often wake yourself up with a good hard bat in the morning, Greg? No. Okay, I just asked. It says Canada Post will issue just thirteen thousand first day covers. So if you're interested in getting those set of stamps and a first day cover, you need to hurry up and buy those. But what a fabulous idea! I like the idea that the back of the stamp could actually taste like what the front of the stamp is betraying. So if you've got a ghost ship, you know, when you're licking the back of the stamp, that could taste like salty water, perhaps, or uh, the one with the army. Hopefully it's not going to taste like a ghost. What does a ghost taste like? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. That that leads to all kinds of questions, doesn't it? Dead. (laughs) The taste of death, ladies and gentlemen. I just wondered, the one that was uh, in the fort could taste like 19th century army rations. And it did mention, of course, that there was a ghost of an Alberta ghost bride is one of the stamps. And I just wondered no. you know, if, if she was about to get married, <laughs> what the taste of that would be like. I'm guessing it would be the no. taste of disappointment, disillusionment, and a life of laundry and complete drudgery would be my <laughs> no. best guess. There are points to be had all round. I shall give myself three just to bring myself up to parity with Heather. And of course, we do know that that's a lucky number. So I'm going to stick with that. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Man drives 24 hours with his girlfriend's corpse in the passenger seat. I didn't think she said much on the way there. I bet it's the first time they've not had an argument about which direction <laughs> to go in. I told you to take a left. No, you didn't. I bet he had his choice on what he wanted on the CD player as well. 
Probably. <laughs> That's the first journey they've ever been on where there's not been an argument. <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to have a journey with your loved ones and your wife, then the best thing to do... No, let's not go down don't that road. <laughs> I don't advise that at all, perhaps. <laughs> a Michigan man who was on a road trip across the country with his girlfriend and his 93-year-old mother refused to stop and notify authorities when the girlfriend unexpectedly died in the passenger seat. So if the mother's 95, did you say? Three. Three. How old was she then? Ray Tomlinson, the guy, is 62. Yes. Okay. He, his girlfriend was 31. She died at 31? Yes. Wow. That's no age. Uh, they were driving from Michigan to Arizona after she checked herself out of a mental health facility. Ooh. Well, that's how I used to get girlfriends when I was younger. In just, a mental health Yeah, just facility? hang around. Well, there was a time I could only date girls that were mentally disturbed, strangely enough. Wasn't that your marriage? Just a phase I was going through. Controversial. <laughs> what was supposed to be a regular road trip from Arizona to Michigan turned into an awkward experience for the man after his much younger girlfriend died during the 1,700-mile journey. <sighs> Determined not to leave her corpse alone in a random hospital morgue, and convinced that he had 48 hours to report the death, Tomlinson chose to drive for another 24 hours and get her home to Michigan. I'm no expert on this, and I'm new to this country, so I take that on board, but isn't it illegal to take a dead body over state lines? I don't... Wouldn't the FBI be involved in that? That's, uh... I'm not sure. We need to do some research. There's more... I'm sure there must be a law that says you cannot take a dead body over state lines. So uh, we'll do some research on that. We'll find out, just in case... At some point in your life. <laughs> in case you're just, making notes. Just in case you might have a body in the trunk, perhaps. Or, uh, <laughs> wow. um, he thought the woman had simply fallen asleep while they were driving through Texas or Oklahoma. These countries, well, <laughs> she wouldn't be making that noise if she was dead, would she? That would be the problem. Oh. These countries are very countries. These states are very hot, aren't they? Yes. Wouldn't that get a bit smelly? I'm just, yes. you know. Uh, at the end of the story, it says, by the time the man got to Warren, Illinois, the woman's body had started to decompose. Oh, God. So he had to peel her off the seat. Wow. Yep. That's a lot of pine tree air fresheners. It is. That's, uh... Uh, she did fill some, some, some prescriptions before she left the facility um, that she was at. And they suspect, they haven't done an autopsy yet, but they suspect it was an overdose of Oxycontin. Oh. So... If you're driving along and you're not getting any response from your loved ones, I suggest that maybe every 24 hours you give them a poke just to make sure they're with still... With a stick. With a stick. <laughs> from a safe, a safe distance. <laughs> if you poke a dead body with a stick and, uh, you know, the gases have started to build up, that oh. could be like a sausage in a pan, couldn't it? I'm just saying that, <laughs> that could pop and there'd be juices, I'm guessing. I don't, God, I don't know. Don't, wow. don't poke that's a disgusting. dead body with a sharp stick would be my advice. I did hear a follow-up to this story on the news, and the man was not charged with anything. They probably felt sorry for him. I, I guess he did it out of ignorance to a certain degree, but... Uh, that costs a lot of money to ship bodies across state lines. That should be a film, shouldn't it? I mean, you've got a 93-year-old mother in the back. You've got your girlfriend... I think it is a film already. Yeah, you've got your girlfriend that's dead. I mean, it's quite... Oh, I was busy thinking of the Chevy Chase one. What's that one? Trains, oh, planes, and automobiles. Oh, no, no you no. mean vacation. Um, vacation. The vacation series, yes. yeah. That's <laughs> right. The grandma or auntie. They strap her to the roof, don't they? In a rocking chair, if my memory serves me right. Something, yep. something along those lines. Wow, we certainly don't want to be going down that road. I have a story about exorcism. It says, exorcism inquiry sent to council. Councillors in Wigan, England, have been forced to expose how many times... 
cash swapped hands for exorcisms at the local authority. Publishing figures on the freedom of information requests received by the local authority, Wigan Council revealed that it has also had to detail the defences it has in place to deal with dragon attacks. So due to this new Freedom of Information Act, this particular council in Wigan in the north of England have been deluged with people asking how many exorcisms are done in that particular town and uh, if they have any defence for a dragon attack, would you believe? Right. And of course, the problem now is that the Freedom of Information Act requires the local council to deal with the letter of inquiry within... 20 days and apparently they've been deluged with so many questions since this came into place the Wigan Council have spent $170,000 just responding to stupid and idiotic requests under the Freedom of Information Act. Wow. It says over half of the 160 requests issued to the council were in January um, alone this year and they have to actually uh, deal with this within 20 working days. So think about what the local council could be doing for $170,000 and they're having to respond to people to say how much money they've spent on exorcisms and defences for dragon attacks. And you never know, of course... Is that common? What, dragon attacks? More common yeah. than you'd probably realise, actually. Why do you not have them over here? <laughs> it seems very strange, doesn't it? I was going to leave this story for the uh, next round, which is uh, cryptozoology. In fact, let's go into the cryptozoology round and I will start with my story this is the round of course of ufos it's green men and hairy beasties but it's very strange you should say i will give you points there kim we're all on a fabulous three and greg gets three of course for making such a wonderful um effort of playing the harp i i, I saw you struggle up the stairs with that particular harp so uh, there we go <laughs> What you can't see, ladies and gentlemen, is he's actually playing that with his teeth and he looks like Jimi Hendrix, but uh, <laughs> he may have to put his teeth back in at some point. Okay, it says here, Dragon, um, Brighton Dragon Slayer advertises his services on Gumtree. So very odd that you should what? say to me how many dragon attacks are there What's in Britain. Gumtree? It's a website where you can advertise what you do and uh, your work, if you like. It says, meet Brighton's very own Dragon Slayer. Vincent Whitaker offers his services as an experienced dragon slayer, willing to deal with any creature, small or large. How does one gain experience in the field of fighting a mythical beast? That's like rolling up and saying, I'm a yeti whisperer. How is that even possible? How does one gain experience of that? It says former call centre worker Vincent of Claremont Terrace in Preston Park advertises his services on the website Gumtree. He said he is hopeful the dragon slaying may turn into a full-time career opportunity after receiving dozens of responses since the advert went online. Probably from Wigan Council, I would led to believe. As I said, a dragon tax big over here? Is it just in Britain we get these? Vincent said there's been an overwhelming response so far. If the calls keep coming in, then I may go full-time. Vincent has told how he takes his profession very seriously and has urged people not to respond to his adverts if they are time wasters, as he does not believe in imaginary places like Hogwarts. He said sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> Sorry. He seems very selective in the things he believes in and doesn't believe in, which is uh, very strange. He said sometimes it's annoying because not a lot of people know what dragons look like. On some call-outs I get, it just turns out to be a large cat. I wonder if he goes ahead and slays that <laughs> anyway. Do you just go ahead and kill the cat? Because, you know, they've, they've paid for you to be out there and they've given you the money. It turns out to be a cat. I mean, 
I'd have a sense of it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a dragon. My apologies. So there's some scaly dog with mange, and he's out there just batting it around with a sword. This is what this is what he's doing. He's made his own armor, actually, which is very impressive. He says on some call-outs, he says, I just get a large cat. He said, Vincent came up with the fun idea after losing his last job as a call centre worker. How do you lose your job at a call centre? I mean, <laughs> where, do you, where do you go after that? Do you know what I mean? It's like, you it know... It wasn't like a 1-900 number, was it? I don't know. Well, like a sexy dragon chat line, you know. <laughs> That's right. My breath's hot for you and I've got nice sharp teeth and claws. D&D yeah. for you. There we go. He said, I have slain three dragons <laughs> in the Brighton area and captured 12, which I then took to an animal rescue centre. I'm sure the animal... He took a dragon? He took 12 dragons, apparently, to animal rescue centres. They probably ate every animal they had there. Uh, the cats and dogs just became dragon food, apparently. This is what he says. He said, I've been in training for three years after a dragon destroyed my ice cream van. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's so, where you go after that's that's where you go. a call center. <laughs> there? All the ice cream I'll melted. I'll sprinkles so with that. <laughs> well, fire breathing and ice products aren't normally a good combination, I would suggest. He says, there's always been a dragon problem in Brighton, but no one talks about it. Apart from the people in his support group that he sees every Thursday afternoon. Vincent describes Brighton's dragons as having a European appearance, making them look a lot like dinosaurs and the dragons you see on Game of Thrones. Is this man high on drugs? That, yes. To combat the beasts, Vincent has constructed his own armour. Out of tinfoil? Close, made out of the bonnet of a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> shaped, shaped to his own body. God. Vincent also revealed his strict training regime to battle dragons. He said, I hone my skills by tackling annoying yappy dogs and uh, other nuisances in the area. So there we go. That's psychic. Slaughtering yeah. chihuahuas in large numbers is good practice for the slaying of two tons of fire-breathing, sharp-toothed, clawed-winged <laughs> beasties, apparently. Well, at least now we have a good excuse. By the way, I'm sure he doesn't have a girlfriend. So if you're single and you're looking for a man out there who... He's mincing around, wearing a car bonnet with delusions of adequacy and has just been fired from his job in a call centre after losing his job running an ice cream van. Then I'm sure he would love to hear from you. Sexy. Cryptozoology, as I live and breathe. Who else has a story for me in tonight's round of UFOs, Green Men, Hairy Beasties, Cryptozoology? Heather, what have you got for me there? There is a weird and wonderful new species that has been discovered. Interested? It's not a dead woman, is it? In a car for 24 hours, not making a noise. No, but it is a giant flying squirrel. Oh, here we go. I wondered when this... You haven't got a story about something coming out of a toilet and grabbing my ass cheeks. Well, the next thing could help. Go on then. How about a fish that mates head to head? Mates head to head? Yeah. Well, he's keeping his eye on the ball. (laughs) (laughs) I've got time. I'm here all night. (laughs) Uh, These two things are among hundreds of new species discovered in Southeast Asia. A total of 367 new species have been documented in a report named Mysterious Mekong. Where? Who? Mekong. Is it Mekong? What? I don't know what you're trying to say. M-E-K-O-N-G. Mekong. There you go. Mekong. Okay. Well, then I was right. Then why'd you say what'd you say? I've never heard that word before. (laughs) Okay. Um... The other discoveries in the greater Mekong region in 2012-2013 include a skydiving gecko, an eyeless 
cave-dwelling spider and a green flying frog which uses large webbed hands and feet to glide between treetops. Wouldn't that be great to use in a game of tennis? You serve the frog from one end, it flies across the court and you're batting it backwards and forwards. It'd be a joy, wouldn't it? (laughs) I want to introduce frog tennis at the next Olympics. I'm sure that'll be a uh, particularly interesting sport. The new species include 290 plants, 24 fish, 21 amphibians, 28 reptiles, 3 mammals and 1 bird. Any comment? Well, I just wanted to say that whenever you read out for me in the cryptozoology round animals that have now been discovered that were previously unaware of, the first thing I want to do is be the first person to find out what they taste like. So uh, I'd be so interested. So now we've got a rather large buffet for you, including some foliage with 290 new plants. There's some salad in there for sure. This fish. <laughs> if it's a species that's never been found or seen before, who's going to be the first person to see what it tastes like? That's what I want to know. Oh, boy. Are they actually new species or are they considered new simply because of evolution on some well, of them? No, they're new. Okay. New species. This does happen quite a lot. I, I read a report recently that said there's up to 10,000 new species discovered every year. They did a survey some years ago on the uh, Barrier Reef in Australia and they pretty much got that number of species just on spending a year looking at the Barrier Reef. There's so many animals and yeah, plants this- that we, we know nothing about. They say in Britain that if you spent an hour looking in your garden, you will find a new species of insect that's never been catalogued before. There's that many billion of them. And uh, if we found one, we could call it anything we like. That'd be fabulous, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, Just no. think of a name you could call. You know, the more questions and answers earwig. You know, it would be fabulous. You Those could are name- disgusting. You could if someone's birthday present. Nathan, if it was your birthday, for example, we could have, you know, the Nathan termite if we found such a thing. That would be fabulous. <laughs> you know? You could have an insect named after you. It's like when they sell bits of the moon, you know, you, you can get someone a certificate that says, you know, for your birthday, we, we've bought you a piece of the moon. Is that what you want for your birthday? It just surprises me. And you know, if you buy your, your girlfriend, for, if your girlfriend's called Karen, for example, and you buy her a piece of the moon and you say, look, this piece of the moon's now called Karen. Is there actually people living on the moon, aliens, thinking, oh, no, our street's just been called Karen. We're now living in Karensville. Could be quite problematic for many aliens, couldn't it? If we're just naming them after people. I mean, you're riding your own business. You're living on the moon, you know. You're sat there minding your own business. You're having a barbecue. You suddenly find out that on Earth a certificate's been sold, you know, and you're now living in Jeffrey. Do you see what I mean? That could be quite problematic. How would you know where you were going? You could be asking for directions and, you know, the day before it was called Christine and now it's called Colin. You don't know where you're going. You'd have to have a map drawn up. It's that ridiculous. Colin just keeps popping it's up. It's a very common name amongst wildebeests. <laughs> And reindeer. And reindeer, of course. In fact, any mammal. Yeti. Yeti, yeah. Yep. I'm a Colin Whisperer. You That's are. Am, yeah. Dr. Thomas Gray, manager of WWF Greater Mekong Species Program, said... I wonder if he's got that written on his name badge, because you'd have to have that going out to the left, and you'd have someone's eye if you went round too quickly. Imagine <laughs> his name badge with his job description on it. It went off to the left, you know, and you'd have to you know, have a couple of feet to the left of you so you couldn't get people hit with your name badge Unless why are you wiggling in your chair because i want to show you what a name badge would look like if it went out from your left breast out into the ether <laughs> don't they ride up and down oh they do you're right you'd be walking with a limp well spotted Greg. <laughs> <laughs> i never used to walk with a limp but i know i got a promotion <laughs> if you got a raise it could cause a problem couldn't it <laughs> Um, the species discoveries affirm the greater Mekong as one of the world's richest and most biodiverse regions. If we're to prevent these new species dis- disappearing t- into extinction... By and, eating them. <laughs> and to keep alive the hope 
of finding other fascinating creatures in years to come, it's critical that governments invest in conservation and green growth strategies. Fantastic. You should have points because I like the idea. Of, of a flying with, squirrel? Of a flying squirrel. A giant one. If it just jumped out of the trees and got you by the neck, it could be quite problematic. If they have a taste for blood, you know, if one of them gets a taste for blood, you know, there's a horror film in there, isn't there? You'd have to walk around with a fencing mask on to stop squirrels attacking you from the skies. I'm having an issue with ticks in this country at the moment. Am I the only one who goes out into the garden for five minutes and comes back covered in ticks? I spent yes. 20 minutes <laughs> trying to pick a mole off my arm, which was quite embarrassing. I've got a new monster here. It says, mystery monster eats three-meter-long great white shark. Scientists suspect that a three-meter-long great white shark was eaten whole by a mystery monster. The shark has been tagged with a heat and GPS recording device that told scientists of the female shark's steep ocean descent and of her sudden dramatic rise in temperature of the sea dweller. The shark reacted well to the tagging and was observed to be very healthy without any scars or marks on her. Shark Alpha, as the beast was named, nearly reached 2,000 feet in depth before her body temperature zoomed from just over 40 degrees to 78 degrees. Marine biologists have stated that such a temperature rise can only be due to the huge predator being eaten by a bigger beast. I'm really impressed with Greg's uh, soundboard there. The sound of a shark being eaten was very impressive, Greg. He says, well, killer whales... (laughs) Was that your stomach? While killer whales have been known to attack and kill great white sharks, what sort of sea creature could ingest a whole shark? That's going to cause some indigestion, surely. And uh, Greg, ever swallowed anything that large? No. Well, (laughs) if you're a good boy, I'm sure Santa Claus will be good for you. Now, for us um, Americans, what is three meters? There's about three feet and a third in one meter so how many meters did i say it was it's about 10 feet three yeah it's about 10 feet it's not a great white shark that you'd want to meet i mean it's a still still a small one i guess i think a, um a great white i read a little bit of a story do you have a follow-up at all i, don't. I can tell you what i i read um they are thinking that there might be a cannibal great white out there who who is roughly i think they said anywhere from 16 to 18 feet long what happens if that a great white eaten. shark eats a clown that's swimming around in the water? Do you think that's something that could happen? <laughs> just, just the feet hanging out. Do you know they've got those really long and shoes? And how many feet is the... Many, there's a clown <laughs> yeah. in a shark's mouth. There are indeed more questions than answers. Kim, do you have a story for me in tonight's round of cryptozoology and UFOs? Dead crocodile found on Scottish golf course. That would be unusual. Crocodiles aren't native to uh, Scotland, of course, so it's obviously falling out of an aeroplane, I'm guessing. Parachuting accident. <laughs> Fell off the back of the giant flying squirrel. There you go. They're obviously good friends, the squirrel and the alligator. Must be. A dead stuffed crocodile has been found in a stream next to a golf course in Scotland. It's stuffed. Like taxidermied stuffed. Yes. How bizarre. Animal welfare officers who were alerted to the strange find near Bagar in South Lanarkshire by concerned passers-by are baffled as to how it got there. Initially, the Scottish SPCA officers thought it was a joke, but on investigation discovered it was a long-dead crocodile, more than four feet long, which someone had tried to stuff. They tried to stuff Amateur. (laughs) They just got a handful of sawdust and surprised it. Can you imagine the look on its face when someone creeps up to it with a big fistful of sawdust? It's quite embarrassing, I would think. I know. You don't want to mess around with those things. You want to distract it. That's the thing. You want someone around the front distracting it with, you know... With what? Ice cream. 
What do you think? We all know that everyone likes ice cream, don't they? You've got a friend, he's round the front and he's got an ice cream and you creep up behind him with a hand. Was he wearing a Ford Fiat hood or whatever it was? The bonnet of a Ford Fiesta. Can you imagine playing golf? You hit your tee shot, you know, on the second green and as you're walking up to your approach shot there, you know, you're debating whether you need the seven or the eight iron. You know, you've got this image of a of an alligator, you know, having sawdust stuffed into it from behind as a man in the front is dressed in a Ford Fiesta bonnet offering him an ice cream. Those are things you do. It's been a funny old day, isn't it? Do you not think? How strange and how bizarre. You should have three points as well. We cannot break the deadlock. We are all on six at the moment. And of course, if three is a lucky number, six would be doubly a lucky number. So 666 is in fact the luckiest number in Oriental culture that you can Again, have we finished our round for the bizarre of cryptozoology and the strange? Yes. We go galloping into the ad break with parity. We shall see after these short messages from our sponsors who will run into a lead. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien reductions, cryptozoology, ice cream, clowns, stuffing alligators on golf courses, crop circles and ghosts. Who knew? Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, LAPIG. Dot all For people who believe that standing on a cold, dark golf course in the middle of the night, dressed as a clown with a handful of sawdust and an ice cream in the other hand, is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows of a flying squirrel that's good friends with an alligator, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. Dharma Moon is in Wyndham, Minnesota. It's all about compassion and healing. We sell healing crystals, salt lamps. Come and see all that we have. Jewelry, sarongs for summer fun, incense, treasure boxes, and so much more. We also offer a basic massage at affordable prices and Reiki healing and tarot readings. Relaxation, tranquility, and healing is Dharma Moon, 4th Avenue, Wyndham. If you wish to be one of the show's sponsors and hear your business or product advertised by the dulcet tones of an eccentric Englishman live on air, going out to the nation and beyond, please contact the show I would love to hear from you. If it's paranormal and in the news, we are talking about it on more questions and answers. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say... Abominable Snowman, live on air. Anything you'd like to talk about, Kim, in terms of words you can't pronounce live on air? No. 
Okay. <laughs> that would be brewery, ladies and gentlemen. She can't say the word brewery. I will get her to say it before the show's out, I promise. <laughs> Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. That's very interesting, actually. I'm really interested. If our listeners out there wish to go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. All of tonight's stories are on there. You can see them in glorious Technicolor. All the videos, all the photographs, the stories, which we read out abridged, of course, because there's not enough timer we want to get through as much as possible they're all on there for you to see but i might start up a uh, a thread which perhaps suggests words that people can't say is there any words you can't say heather i mean obviously you can't say them on air can you? you'd have to mime them or draw me a picture or something sure any words you have trouble with not that i know of well it's so just reading in general then i would believe oh <laughs> where's the bell when I was, uh, when I, I was, quit. when I was, uh, it's worked, <laughs> fabulous. Nathan, would you like to step in and take over? Heather? Sure. <laughs> what I um, had trouble with as a child was the word probably. I put too many blees in there, so it went probably and went on forever. But probably was a word I struggled with. Abominable, of course, is one that uh, I have common issue with, and. Uh, that's uh, a Wookiee that's trod on a Lego brick for some reason. What, what, what word are you having trouble with there, Chewbacca? Yeah, that's it. No words at all that you struggle with, have to think about. Not cinnamon, aluminum. C- cinnamon and... Aluminum. You mean aluminium? Wow, yeah. fabulous. We say aluminium in Britain. Don't ask what we call ball sight, I'll be taken off the air. Greg, any, any words you struggle with? Other nope. than yes or no? No. Nope. Fantastic. <laughs> Just me then. Just my dyslexia. Um, I will post a thread on Facebook. I'd love to know what you have trouble saying. Might be quite a fun thread, and we'll read them out on next week's show. Well, if you have trouble reading them out, um, I will present them to everyone using the power of mime and the art uh, of mime. I'm miming an abominable snowman as we speak. If you've just joined us, then where have you been, and what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50% of the show still left to go, and in my opinion, the best... 50% of the show. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring next door. In actual fact, whenever we go on long journeys, um, I'm looking forward to her not snoring. We're going to move into the round. That is... I'm glad my mother doesn't... 24 hours across country. (laughs) With my mother, I'd end up killing somebody or something. I'd have to take rudimentary garden tools with me and put them in the trunk of the car just in case. Wow. All the arguments I've had with my parents have been pretty much while I've been driving because uh, my mother took her driving test uh, seven times. Um, the sixth driving test were actually videoed and some of the underwater shots were incredible. But she did pass her driving test after seven goes and uh, she now likes to sit back and tell everyone how they need to drive, of course. And no one else's mother does that, do they? That's just my mum. No one else. <laughs> no one else does that at all, do they? We're in the round of the strange... And the bizarre. So, Heather, would you like to kick off for me in the round of the strange and bizarre? These are the stories that don't fit any other category. Human skin covers a book at Harvard. Dun, dun. Ooh, what was that noise? Was just someone playing a random chord on an organ? Fantastic. Experts at Harvard have confirmed a 19th century book held in one of the prestigious university's libraries is bound in human skin. According to the library, the novelist presented the volume described as a meditation on the soul and life after death to one of his book-loving friends. Was the, was the cover of the book black or white? Do we know? 
<laughs> no, I mean, you know, there are there are different shades, aren't there? There's different it was beige. Shades. It was beige, was it? Okay. okay. Um, as long as you don't leave it out in the sun because you wouldn't want a red one. The doctor actually bound the book with skin taken from the back of an unclaimed body of a female mental patient who had died of a stroke, according to researchers. The trouble with this is that at some point in your future, some ghostly figure is going to appear at the end of the bed and say, I want my skin back. And then everything <laughs> goes downhill from there. I've seen these films. Have you? There was a Hammer House film called Creeping Flesh that my granddad... Oh made me watch when I was a kid and gave me nightmares for weeks. I must have only been about 10. But it's a Hammer House horror film with Peter Cushion, of course. And oh, I love Peter they Cushing. They find some sort of mummy, if my memory serves me right, by doing a dig. And uh, they, the, the, the mummy gets wet and the skin starts to grow on the mummy. And when the finger got wet and you could see the skin growing up the skeletal finger, Peter Cushion's character just chopped the finger off to stop the skin from growing all over the body. And uh, he kept this finger in a jar. I guess when he wants to pick his nose, probably, and things like that. So don't get this book wet, then. When he wants to point at people, he uses his grandmother's finger. But ultimately, the body <laughs> gets stolen. The skeleton gets stolen. It rains, so the flesh on the skeleton grows. And there's a really fabulous scene at the end, the caveat of the film, where You're Peter Cushion... You're going to tell us how it ends. This film was out in 1960-something. <laughs> I think most people would have seen it. That's like saying, if you watch Titanic, it sank at the end. It's ridiculous. But uh, ultimately, Peter Cushion's character is in a mental asylum, seeing as that's come up a couple of times tonight. And this ghostly figure comes towards him with all the flesh rotting on it. And uh, he says, I want my finger back. And then in the last scene, you see Peter Cushion grabbing the bars of the asylum and one of his fingers is missing. He's taken, you know, like for like, a tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye. For so a finger what, for a finger? A finger for a finger, indeed. This is how these things work. Lucky he didn't get any other parts of his body weight would be my suggestion. Oh. Do continue. Ding. No, I don't need to ring the bell for that. I, I'll do two now, just so I'm in credit. Okay. <laughs> Seconds out, round one. Uh, the doctor had left a note in the volume explaining what he had done. He wrote, a book about the human soul deserved to have a human covering. Although the binding, a book, uh, the binding of the book was in another person's skin may now seem distinctly gruesome, it was not unusual practice in the past. There are many accounts in the 19th century where bodies of executed criminals were donated to science and the skins given to tanners and bookbinders. Houghton's book is now the only known book at Harvard bound in human skin. I think there's a law in place that says you can't trade in books that are covered in human skin because um, I've watched several shows on television where books have come up that have been bound in human skin and they can't be resold. I think there's a an issue with that perhaps I, I need to look into that in a bit more detail but you know if we're going to go down a slightly grimmer road I mean I don't want to bring everyone down but during the holocaust you know the Nazis during the second world war would be making lampshades out of uh, you know poor holocaust victims that had tattoos for example there's a very famous scene where after the second world war when the death camps have been liberated all the locals from the villages that turned a blind eye to what was going on in some of these death camps like Auschwitz were forced to walk past all the pits full of bodies and one of the things they were forced to walk past was these series of lampshades that had tattoos on them that were made with human skin so there are things out there that uh, have set a precedent in doing that I once bought a painting an oil painting from the 18th century that I found in a junk shop that was painted on chicken skin and I'd never seen before a painting painted on chicken skin so I guess 
you know, back in the 19th century, the 18th century, when canvas was hard to come by and you had a piece of plywood and a chicken, then uh, obviously that was the way to go. That painting was by a very famous artist called Sir Thomas Lawrence, who was the court painter of George III, who, of course, lost the Americas for us. So uh, that's come full circle. You shall have points, Heather. I'm liking your story. You're up to a resplendent nine. That's normally a winning score. So uh, you're well on the way there to winning. Kim, what have you got for me today in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Indiana man arrested after leading police on farm tractor chase across two states. <laughs> what on wow. earth? What on earth was that? A tractor? Was this just some sort of souped up tractor I hadn't previously been aware of? Doesn't What's the top that. speed of a tractor, Greg? About 20. 20. Six. 26. Okay. That six makes all the difference, I'm sure. I can run that. That can be overtaken by running. Now, hold on a second. Aren't there uh, lawn tractors for lawnmower races, Greg? Yeah. What did they get up to? I don't know. They cruise right along, though. We went to uh, we went to some drag racing tractors, didn't we, at the Butterfield, at Butterfield. Fair? Oh yeah, that was that's a, right. That was a very bizarre, strange uh, day out, but uh, we did see some racing tractors, and uh, they were overtaken by a tortoise on a skateboard at one point. But uh, that was that was. I still I've still got the smell of the exhaust in my clothing as we speak. The air went very dark, didn't it, when they started up? That was. Uh, quite something nope. why I, I, t- over two states surely at some point he's got to stop for gas isn't he i don't know how many miles can you get out of a tractor i don't know <laughs> so the farmer has no idea we have no chance of knowing any of these things that's why we are more questions than answers i can tell you that uh his running them um was at 18 miles per hour mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> pull over as they're walking beside it started in Adams County and ended in Mercer County, Ohio. It took two hours. And the only reason they got him was because the tractor broke down. Oh. Uh, let's see, what else can I tell you? This is amazing. Oh. What, did, what did they want to pull him over for? Why did they want to bring him over? Does it say? He was Felony, on the run. fleeing, and eluding charges, low-speed chase, um doesn't really say he was getting arrested because it was a low speed chase yeah if it had been a fast yeah. speed chase it'd have been fine but uh i don't understand why the tractor gets a, a lick of speed up where the police car can't overtake it Seems he was ridiculous. hitting and ramming them oh it's a bit like a tank isn't it man? yes he's lucky he didn't get shot wow who knew tractors cross state lines who knew such things i've got a story here for the strange and the bizarre it says zoo employees shot in error whilst dressed as a gorilla <laughs> there we go put that put that gorilla down sir it's a man in a suit a zoo worker in tenerife dressed as a gorilla is recovering after being mistakenly shot with enough tranquilizer to down a 400 pound gorilla the Loro Parquet employee was dressed in a gorilla costume as part of a practice drill to simulate the escape of a captive gorilla when what? he was shot in the leg with a high-dose dart. It seems not everyone had been informed that it was a drill. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it works. They kept him in. <laughs> and when the zoo vet saw the gorilla running through the park, he thought an actual gorilla had escaped and shot him. The vet fired the shot of the man and it hit him in the leg. He's lucky a male gorilla didn't take an amorous shine to him because uh, he would have woken up in the morning with more than a sore leg. Wow. He says the tranquilizer can be a sedative, anesthetic or a paraplegic agent. And it's unclear 
what the dart fired at the man actually contained. The worker had a severe allergic reaction to the tranquilizer and was taken to hospital. Drills like this happen regularly in zoos, but this is the first report of an incident of this kind. The zoo said that the vet had only been working there for two months, so that was a good start. Is he still working there or is he selling ice cream? Oh, he's selling arms to gorillas. (laughs) The zoo said in a statement... The zoo said in a statement, Laura Park simulated the escape of an animal from its enclosure in the gorilla park. As part of the simulation, which took place in the security zone of the area and was attended only by authorised personnel, they set off an emergency alarm. Once they had carried out the various procedures, one keeper in the wild mammals team was accidentally struck by the medical tranquilizer that vets use <laughs> in these instances. As a result, emergency services were called and he was taken to hospital. Apparently, he's made a good recovery, but he now likes playing in tyres, eating bananas and urinating on his own hand. Sounds like any normal Friday night out in Minnesota. He's lucky they discovered he had a suit on, because ultimately, if you get fired with a tranquilizer dart, what's the first thing they're going to do? Throw you back in the pen. Exactly. He could have woken up 24 hours later, locked. With a girlfriend. (laughs) With a girlfriend, (laughs) rather hairy girlfriend, in an enclosure. Do you remember the film American Werewolf in London, where he turns into a wolf and he wakes up the next morning in the wolf enclosure of London Zoo? Never seen it. The thing I find interesting... Is that, can you imagine the next time they do this, where they say, right, we've got a polar bear costume. Who's going to wear the polar bear costume? And all the staff are lined up and there's just a silence. And then someone pushes someone else forward or they step backwards. You wouldn't want to be the next person is what I'm saying. If they're looking for volunteers to be the next animal to pretend to escape, who's going to be the first one up for that? That'd be ridiculous. That's the funniest thing I've heard in many a long time. My question is, why do you have to simulate escaping while actually wearing a costume i guess it makes things more realistic he must have done a really good job mustn't he of looking like a gorilla or but, sounding uh, like one sounding like one you know he he weed on his hand he played in the ties he did a really good job if you job. have a dog kennel you're not going to dress like your dog and go out there and see if you can break out of it i've seen this before zoos do simulate animals escaping by dressing up as the animal and running around and so they, they can get into the park and they have a response yes he probably spent a whole week <laughs> eating bananas just so he could fill the role what's throwing my throwing mo- his poo around what's my motivation for this well your motivation for this is you get to throw poo around <laughs> any normal friday night it's just <laughs> can you imagine if the suit was stuck on him the thing was he didn't just get shot he then had an allergic reaction so not only are you trapped in a gorilla suit not only have you been shot in the leg but now your lips have swollen up and your eyes are itchy and you're getting an anaphylactic shock it's not having a good day is he no. I suspect he will not be volunteering for that job again anytime soon does anyone have any more stories in the round of the strange and the bizarre i have one more that i want to squeeze in if that's possible it says art imitates life replica of van gogh's ear created from live cells a german museum has put on display a copy of vincent van gogh's ear that was grown using genetic material provided by one of the 19th century dutch artists living relatives the Centre for Art and Media in Karlsruhe said artist Diemut Strieb made the replica using living cells from Louis van Gogh, the great-great-grandson of Vincent, Theo's brother. 
or his brother Theo in actuality. Using a 3D printer, the cells were shaped to resemble the year that Vincent van Gogh is said to have cut off during a psychotic episode in 1888. I use science basically like a type of brush, like Vincent used his paint, Streep said. The US-based artist said the year, which was grown at Boston Brigham and Women's Hospital, is being kept alive inside a case containing a nourishing liquid and could theoretically last for years. Convincing Louis van Gogh to take part was easy. He loved the project right away, he said. This makes me wonder, makes me think, of what other appendages from famous people could be grown in Petri dishes all around the world in laboratories. If we can grow van Gogh's ear... You know, can we grow Marilyn Monroe's lips, Lassie's nose, Liberace's fingers? Mind <laughs> you, we don't know where they were or where they've been, do we, to be fair? We could have built a whole new face for uh, Michael Jackson if he'd have still been alive, I'm guessing. Frankenstein's ear. I love the fact that in the middle of the night in the laboratory, there's an ear just pulsing in a Petri dish, you know? And can you imagine if it then goes on like a tour? You could be sat, <laughs> you could be sat in the darkness of your room, you know, reading a book. I don't know what kind of sound an ear would make if it crawled across the room. Shall I shall make one up? But imagine if the ear climbs out of the petri dish, like Frankenstein's ear, and you can you're sat there and suddenly you hear as it's kind of working its way across the floor, <laughs> like a caterpillar in many respects. So you look around and there's nothing there. So you carry on reading your book, and then all of a sudden you and the ear's working its way up the wall, getting closer to you. So he can hear you. Absolutely. Well, you can imagine if he suddenly jumps on you and it's like, you know, splats on your forehead. And you've, got a, you've got a wild frontier, I'm guessing, is where we are. <laughs> Fabulous. That was well worth that long story and narrative, I'm guessing. And any other, any other ideas about what we could grow in Petri dishes from famous people? Any thoughts? Anything you'd like to grow from a famous person from the past in a Petri dish? Anything at all? Okay, just me then. Fabulous. <laughs> <sighs> we all thought it. But nobody went there. We are moving into the round, which we call Not For Your Mother. This is the round where your mother needs to be ushered out of the room. Why not go on a 24-hour road trip with her across the southern state? So you can push her into a room with a live snake or a wild ear, of all things. Any minors, anyone that's easily offended, these are the stories of the week from around the world that perhaps we save to the end because they're a little bit on the innuendo-laden side. They're stories that you wouldn't want the sensitive to be hearing those that are easily offended. So, Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? 31-year-old man says he's wired to have sex with great-grandmothers. He's what? He wants to have sex with great-grandmothers? Yes, he loves it. Are they standing there naked and he thinks to himself, that needs ironing? Oh, Adrian. (laughs) Does he say, show us your breasts, and she just lifts up her skirt a little bit around her ankles? Does he want to know what old age creeping over him feels like? <laughs> I'm done. And relax. Kyle Jones, 31, is not ashamed of the qualities he finds attractive in a mate. In fact, he believes he was wired that way. Everybody's brain is wired differently. Some guys prefer blondes, some prefer brunettes, and, and some, some prefer guys... those knocking on Evan's door. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, that must have been your pelvis. <laughs> and this is why we call this round not for your mother. One wow. of his girlfriends is a 91-year-old great-grandmother. I thought I was Marjorie doing really McCool. well. It turns out she had an asthma attack. <laughs> Adrian 
bad word. You've got to be osteoporosis is really dangerous. You've got to be careful what you're doing. Um, one of his girlfriends, 91-year-old great-grandmother Marjorie McCool, was surprised at first that Jones wanted to court her, but has taken to him. Sometimes I feel like he's another son until we hop in bed and I feel different. How old is she? 91. Wow. There's 60 years difference. Do you think he's got jump leads out there and he has to put them out the window to the car? <laughs> McCool would appear to be his main squeeze. In the beginning, I got jealous of his other women, but he keeps coming back to me and tells me I'm the best. She also told the Daily Mail that her family isn't bothered by their relationship, not even their grandsons. How are things organized? That are older than him, mind. How are things organized downstairs? If you're a 93-year-old woman, do you still kind of, you know, tidy things up in the downstairs department? Maybe she's rocking the 70s style. That would be... um, That or the 30s. (laughs) The 30s. She's rocking the 30s. Why is it I suddenly thought of Don King? I don't understand. How did that come about? That's terrible. I'm no expert in this field, obviously. He likes but... somewhere between 68 and between 68 and 91. And dead. Yeah. I just wondered, you know, that due to the menopause, you know, you think of the female menopause, don't, don't things kind of get a bit arid? You know, are things kind of, you know, like the Mojave down there? Is it not, you know... Is he going to have to introduce, you know, things into the bedroom? I don't understand how these things work. Now, you know? on a side note, and since you're going down the lubricant way, I never I did that. hear. Yeah, you were talking about it in a side. Well, you know, I, as an educated did person, did you know they you have know? cannabis lubricant now? I read really? that in a recent story. How high can you go with that? I just, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can you take me higher? There you go. It's getting a good workout, this bell, isn't it? <laughs> she said. So, yes, that's my story. Cannabis-flavoured lubricant. Yeah, made from. Mm-hmm. Of all the things, you'd think they'd go with ice cream, wouldn't you? Perhaps that's what you could, you know, use with an alligator. If I think you want to there get is ice cream-flavoured. This is where you need to go. If you want to stuff an alligator and take it by surprise, ice cream-flavoured lubricant is, in fact, the way to go. So you can kill two birds with one stone. Does Kim, the ice you... cream have Viagra in it? Oh, yes, we did have Viagra-flavoured <laughs> yes, ice cream yes, on the show. Yes, we did. Didn't we? Yes, it didn't say hard for very long, unfortunately. <laughs> but that is true. I didn't think Viagra... What does Viagra taste like, Greg? <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> it doesn't taste of anything, I'd have thought. I mean, is it flavoured? I don't... You know. How do you, I, I thought you just pushed it up, didn't you? You've actually got to swallow it. Is that how that works? Who knew such things? <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother before we get taken off the air? Man had seven-week erection after bike accident. And how's that a problem? <laughs> seven weeks. God. A young man was left with a seven-week penile erection after he suffered a straddle injury on the crossbar of his mountain bike. <laughs> the 22-year-old endured the distressing condition for five weeks before seeking help from doctors. That's he cool. waited five weeks? Five weeks. I bet he never got out of the house, did he? How's that going to work? Wow. Uh, You're going to love this part. Doctors who treated him first attempted compression with a special dressing for two weeks, but this proved temporary, and as soon as it was removed, the erection resumed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He eventually had to have a blood vessel blocked in a non-invasive procedure, although doctors could only find two previously documented reports of an unwanted prolonged unwanted unwanted prolonged erection after a straddle injury. I just wonder. A if straddle the reason, injury. It's a straddle injury. I just wonder 
if uh, he didn't seek medical assistance for the first five weeks because he thought, well, hang on, <laughs> I'm going to use that. Let's, uh, you know, we'll make the most of it. And uh, five weeks later, he's thinking, okay, well, you know, I've used it he to the best of my... of it. Yeah, he just had a stump left and a handful of sand and he thought, well, I better get some, <laughs> I better get some medical help. Well, this is some sort of compress they put on that. Yes. I understand that cold tea is the way to go. If you get lots of tea leaves and you make a compression, a tincture, if you like, of... Uh, of tea leaves around that, you could probably... I mean, can you imagine going to the doctors and the doctor looking at it and saying, you've still got an erection, but uh, you're going to go on a long journey, meet a stranger, and you're going to be lucky with money. <laughs> <laughs> it says he made a full recovery, and one month later there was no recurrence, with the patient reporting satisfactory erection and intercourse. Well, I'm pleased to hear that. Obviously, he had some old oh, women to help that's him. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I'm pleased all good things come to an end fantastic kim you're on 12 resplendent points not as lucky as 23 but the night is still young i've got a story here that says serial cucumber masturbator sentenced after being recognized in library a judge has sentenced a man who was seen masturbating in a public library whilst holding a cucumber and it wasn't for the first time some of us actually have to use both hands so uh, if you uh, hold my cucumber greg i'll just go and do a spot of light reading <laughs> frederick tennyson davis 49 there we go was at the just painted green will be fine was at the agincourt library in toronto canada when he was spotted by staff library employees recognized the man from the last time he had been caught <laughs> with a salad item after he was seen carrying out the same lewd act in the library Back in April, which, I'm guessing which you don't. Part want... of him did they identify? They identified his salad. Apparently, <laughs> can you imagine? There's photographs like mug shots on the wall of the library where there's a man standing there holding a cucumber in his hand. I'm guessing you don't want to eat a salad at his house. Well, at least steer clear of the dressing would be my best suggestion. Constable David Hopkinson of the Toronto Police Service revealed that subtlety was not. Mr. Davis's strong suit. A working appreciation of root vegetables was probably his strongest suit, though. I wonder if he's had this thought about hiding in a vegetable rack. If you hide in a vegetable rack in Walmart, um, you could actually scare quite a lot of small children, couldn't you? Would be my best <laughs> suggestion. I once scared my grandmother by creeping up to her bedroom window late at night, oh. pushing a crook. I pushed a cucumber through a window and shouted out, "Quick, quick! The aliens are coming." <laughs> She uh, got out of bed very quickly on that particular occasion. Wasn't that your nickname in school? Alien. It was actually. The Alien films first came out back in the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, you know how intelligent nicknames are when you're at school. I got called Alien quite a lot. For the sole reason it sounds like Adrian. And no other reason than that. But you're absolutely right. My nickname at school, for a short period of time during the late 70s, thanks to Ridley Scott, the wonder that is Ridley Scott, was Alien. You're absolutely correct. Who else has stories for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Kim, you can finish off the show. What have you got for me? Well, while we're on the subject of vegetables and exposing yourselves... Uh-huh. Well, we always are, aren't we? I mean, Let's skip over to the fruit. There we go. Well, if you're just going to miss out the cucumber and go straight to the fruit is where you're going. Man 77 accused of exposing his banana at farmer's market. (laughs) Was it shaped like a banana or did you just paint it up yellow? (laughs) This man apparently goes to the farmer's market to cherry pick some women. When a woman shopping at a farmer's market near Delon felt something touch her backside twice, she thought it was a bag of produce, deputy said. 
Oh, the bags of produce just come randomly up and produce. Have there only been a time when you're asleep late at night, Kim, and Greg's pushed a bag of produce against your back? Has that ever no. happened? Okay. Don't worry, thought. it's just my pickle. Yeah, your pickle. Well, and as it turns out, it wasn't cucumbers either. Okay. It was a man identified as Louis Gonzaga, 77, who's now in a real pickle. Ooh. He allegedly covered his genitals with a plastic bag, which he removed when he got in line behind women shoppers. Well, how are they going to weigh that when he gets to the checkout? You're just going to flop them on there. So you need to go to the sports shop and buy a hammock. How's that even going? I don't understand. He just randomly came up to women in the fruit and veg aisle and, and basically... He'd pointed, sneak up to Opened him. up his bag of tricks. Yeah, wow. yeah. He'd sneak up to him, remove the bag and... There you go. Just nudging gently... <laughs> Nudging gently against a poly cotton blouse, no doubt. Heather, you have in fact one more story. So, I do, uh, and we have to get this one in. It's okay, we have important. time. We will squeeze this in. I'm sure our listeners won't mind if they're five minutes late to pick their kids up at school. Italian porn star giving up sex in support of country's World Cup team. How long is she? I'm just thinking now what would be a really good name for an Italian porn star, actually. Layer me quick or something like that. It's a man, <laughs> It's a man, yeah. okay. Well, he could say that. This is true. <laughs> <Ask> Berlusconi. <laughs> I think he's in enough trouble as it is, to be perfectly honest. Berlusconi is a fabulous prime minister because he got caught with child prostitutes, money laundering and all kinds of illicit activities. And he passed a law while he was president of Italy that said any president of Italy can't be accused or prosecuted of any criminal offence. Isn't that just fabulous? I'm just oh, amazed. You at got other... it. Use I know, it. it's just remarkable. I just find that. And the other thing is that Bellasconi's company, he owns Fiat, and Fiat also own Inter Milan, uh, sorry, AC Milan Soccer Club, which is one of the biggest uh, soccer teams in Europe. And uh, I just find it remarkable that in Italy, they know that their politicians are corrupt. It's just known that that's going to be the case. So they don't mind. It's, it's out there. They expect that of their politicians. So the fact that you become prime minister or president of a country, but it doesn't seem to be a problem that whilst you're president of that country, you're also running Fiat and you're also running AC Milan Soccer Club. And that doesn't seem to be an interference of, uh, of priorities or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When you have other interests in other things, it's a... Uh, conflict of interest. There we go. It's a conflict of interest. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, that seems to be remarkable. Do continue. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country or not do. An Italian porn star has relegated himself to celibacy in order to show support for his country's World Cup team. Rocco Sifredi, or Stiffredi is what I call him, made a vow of... Stiff Freddy. Yeah, or Stiff Freddy. My tortoise was called Freddy, so he would have been Stiff Freddy after he died, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, made a vow of chastity this week in advance of the start of the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil. Stiff Freddy made an announcement on a video that was posted on his Facebook fan page. Guys, I've had thousands of orgasms, but there is one I will never forget. The one I had with together. My <laughs> what? Sorry. <laughs> the one I had together with all of you. Do you remember when we won the World Cup in 2006? <laughs> yes, they beat France and Zinedine Zidane. Boy, if I was Zidane. on that soccer team, that would really <laughs> get me going. Well, you know, you know what the Italians are like. You know, they're pinching bottoms and stealing your handbag at the same time. So for that to that collective orgasm to happen again, I'm prepared to go without 
any of my orgasms. He continues, For the entire time of our national squad, being in Brazil, I won't have sex. It will be my chastity vote for the victory of Italy. Italy is in Group D that will play matches against England, Costa Rica, and Uruguay in the opening round. I foresee hard times. Oh, man. (laughs) Very hard. Let's hope there's no pressure in the box when he's playing. (laughs) But you need to support me. You need to write to me. Don't abandon me. And the 22 players who are in Brazil, I only ask one thing. Let me at least enjoy you. Wow. So how long is this celibacy going for until they get knocked until out? They, to... Until they get knocked out. Well, let's, let's hope that's so soon and for his sake. if you sake. think about it, now we have, or we have already watched, depending on when you listen to this, we have to watch the Mexico-Cameroon game. Yes. That's the one the with, the witch, that's with the witch doctors involved, yes. Yes. We need Belgium to win. No. You... <laughs> no. <laughs> Three weeks ago, you knew nothing about soccer, and now you're arguing live on air about which soccer team's better is quite remarkable. I like the idea that when every soccer game, there will be at least two or three games played every single night for the next five to six weeks. I like the idea that we could have dinner together, and whenever those games are on, we can pick a team and we can eat the food that comes from that country. Yes, Belgian waffles. So when Belgium play, we'll have Belgian waffles. When America plays a game, we can sit and have hot dogs and hamburgers. And of course, when Mexico play, we can have tacos. And uh, when the Dutch play... (laughs) (laughs) But I think, you know, when when Croatia plays Iran, we could be having issues because I'm not sure where we're going to get a goat from. But uh, ultimately, I think that's a very good idea. So we so should see. What I'm trying to say here is we have interest, vested interest in the world. Yes, Cup we now. took bets on this. Yes, with, we with did. With Pancetta the psychic pig. Who actually yes, went who has for Holland. Holland. Yes. That's right. <laughs> but now we also have a vested interest in Italy to see what is happening with Mr. Well, if England do Ready. if England do well, which I'm hoping, then Italy won't be getting very far <laughs> with any luck. So we shall see. Isn't Holland blood pudding? I'm sorry. Ew. You're absolutely Pretty right. Sure there is. Is, there is, you get Dutch sausage. I'm not doing yes. that. I'm yes, not we doing can. It. Uh, we can embrace the Dutch blood. No, pudding I'm not doing that. When Holland, I've been to Holland many times, and I'm struggling to think what their food is. They have uh, French fries. Well, I guess they're French, aren't they? <laughs> Pommes frites. They're actually called French fries because to French a vegetable means to cut it thinly. So you could French a carrot, to be perfectly honest. And I think it's the name of the chef that invented that process. It has nothing to do with France. Do you remember? During the Gulf War, when uh, France fell out with America and George Bush said, we're going to call them freedom fries, not French fries, because we don't like the French anymore. French fries <laughs> don't have anything to do with France. They have nothing to do with the French on any level. But if, if you're going to end up, you know, disliking the French, and I guess that's OK with me. So we're at the end of tonight's show. Il non capisco is sono inglese. Greg. You have come in last. You have the flashing dead battery on the K2 meter, standing in the calumet all on your own with the ghost of the laundry room floating around you. I'm on nine points. Heather is also on nine points. But Kim, with the $33,000 IR camera, standing on the roof with the big column of EMF coming out of the hotel like an episode or show of Ghostbusters. You are on 12 points and you are tonight's resplendent winner do not fear listeners remember we are back next week with a whole new bunch of stories at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and just plain weird 
Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore and all at the International Paranormal Society, intparanormal.net. I also wish to give Nathan birthday wishes. He's having a birthday this week, so happy birthday to Nathan. And all of the show's sponsors, of course, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group, MUFON of Minnesota and Dharma Moon Health and healing store in Wyndham, Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Good night.